Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Today, I am pumped to have Hudson Gaines Ross on the podcast. He is an entrepreneur based out of Brooklyn, New York. And most recently, he is the CEO and co-founder of Plant People, uh, which is a company uh, really trying to use plants to um, create longevity and really evolve the way we think about using plants in our daily life through products uh, in the CPG space. Uh, me and Hudson have come into contact uh, over the past year or so, and I thought he'd be a great guest to have on the podcast. Uh, Plant People is a, a really fast-paced, growing company and um, really changing the way th people think about uh, using plants in their daily diet and regimen. So, Hope you guys love the episode. Um, if you're interested in trying plant people after listening to the podcast, Hudson mentions it at the very end, but just to reiterate, you can use code ShaneWhite20 uh, at plantpeople.co uh, to receive 20% off your order. So hope you guys enjoy and give it up for Hudson. Well, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Today, I am pumped to have Hudson on the podcast. He, uh, he, you know, I'll let him give a little background into himself. He's actually started quite a bit of different companies. So most recently, Plant People. But um, Hudson, thanks for coming on. And uh, do you mind giving a little intro to yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, should I start like... How far do you want me to go back? You know, it's funny. I was looking at your LinkedIn. I was like, damn, he's done a lot of stuff. I, wherever I you normally kind of like give the, give the normal spiel, I think you can kind of pick. I you've know. Done a lot. You have a lot in your background. It's so funny. It feels like I've done a lot and I've lived so many lives. Um, and that's not really bragging because there hasn't been any major exit. So it feels like I've been in startup mode since I graduated. Which I don't know if that's fun. a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you learn a lot. Let's just right. say I've also aged. I'm like thinning on top of my hair right now. Anyways, yeah, so I mean, um, from New York, born and raised from Brooklyn, I'm a Brooklyn boy, went to, was here all my life until college, went to Brown, graduated in 09. Um, I actually, you know, that was a terrible time to graduate. The month oh, I graduated, yeah. there were 800,000 job cuts. It was the recession or the yeah. great recession, I guess is now the term. Um, and so it was actually a really humbling experience. And now going through this with COVID, I feel way more grounded. Um, and I feel like I've kind of like seen it, like I'm not, we haven't seen what's happened in, for example, in New York city where I'm based, um, right. similar to recession, but yeah, I mean like a lot of the stores in Soho were boarded up for a period of time and nothing was in there. So, um, but yeah, so I, I was very lucky and then I kind of caught the early tech scene, um, in 2009 when there wasn't really one in New York city. So I ended up got offered a job at Google in California. And it was like, oh. that company was like 15,000 people at the time, which was a lot. Now it's huge, even sure. bigger. Yeah, um, and then that. I looked up a company called Guilt Group. Um, and I saw like in like some article, I thought it was really cool. I joined when it was 15 people, left when it was 2000 people. Um, and I, I helped launch their home business, food and wine and international verticals. Oh, cool. um, and then did some partnership stuff. I was definitely didn't know any better. First job just was just broken up with. And so it made my life. I didn't take a vacation for the first year and a half. I'm not kidding. Oh, and I was like that go-getter where they would just throw things at me. And I was very lucky because it was an e-commerce bootcamp. Okay. Um, and so I was able to learn how to like build sort of like businesses from the ground up. Obviously I had amazing partners. Guilt Group hired extremely talented people. Um, it's actually amazing looking back. So many of those people have started companies now. Um, but they, they really gave me the reins on a lot of launching of, of the verticals. So was there for three years and then went and started a company, um, founding team, um, and was COO of a company called Aloha in the supplements world. And oh. very early on in the plant-based sort of like protein and plant-based herbal supplements world, um, was awesome company was there from the ground up, everything from branding, supply chain, customer experience. I was like overseeing majority of the ops. Um, and then when, and when I had left that company, one of the learnings I had was, you know, 
the at Aloha, we were trying to perfect, like become the apple of supplements. We were trying to create these crazy products that needed so much explaining. And I was like, what I really want to do is create a product that people already use, but better. And I was like thinking of what I use a high clip every day, which is coffee. And I love coffee, but I'm a black coffee drinker. And um, I ended up, uh, you know, wanting to drink something more um, okay. that wasn't like as black and dark and wanted something with some flavor without any sugar, et cetera. And so I ended up starting a company called Rise Coffee um, and ended up meeting some co-founders along the way about a year in or six months in. Um, and so I did that. And I also had a digital branding firm uh, called uh, Crosby. We did business strategy. So we actually built over 400 fundraising decks. And oh, wow. that, and that, yeah, oh, that, Crosby pretty, was, that's sorry. Gotta get, that put you in a good spot just for future thing, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, future endeavors building that many investment decks. I mean, I'm a nerd <laughs> with fundraising decks and decks in general. Okay. Um, and so if anyone ever wants to send one to me, I can get, always critique. I, I might not do any work on it, but I'm happy to be like, this slide needs to go here or like. That's awesome. I mean, it's a left to right. huge skill. Yeah. Um, I was actually like a managing partner of an agency at that time that was doing okay. that stuff. And then I went and started my own. Um, and then I ended up getting into plant people out of sort of like a personal in injury. Um, and I transitioned out of Crosby and also Rise, although I'm on the board um, for Rise now. Got it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, you've done a ton of stuff in a very, it, really, it's a short amount of time. I mean, it's, you, you talk about all that. It sounds like you've been doing this for 20 years. It's not that long a time you've been working on all this stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful, especially for the early days of like energetic Hudson. I'm exhausted now. Yeah. Um, because I was also doing like nonprofit stuff. I was advising people. I was really all the places. Yeah, you had a bunch of advisory roles I saw. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really like, it was interesting. And I, I took a break from all of it. Like I stopped doing advising. I stopped doing nonprofit stuff. I was doing plant people, Crosby and Rise at the same time on point. And ever since I like just stopped everything, it's just been such a healthier life to really be focused. Um and so, yeah, it's, it's nice to, to be laser focused on something and not have my brain freaking out. Cause when you're done with yeah. like stress on one thing, your brain leads to the second thing of like another company that you have like stress points on and it just right, never sure. sort of ends. Yeah. It had to have been just a complete circle all the time. Just going yeah. from one thing to the next. Got it. That's really cool. I really, that's Thank you for giving that background Hudson. I, uh, for sure. I, I, I know I want to spend most of the time talking about plant people. Cause obviously that's your current endeavor. Cool. I did have a few questions. So with rise brewing, um, I, I think it's interesting. Anything in the coffee space, I'm a big coffee drinker and, and love that. What was like the, so you, you were working at the supplement company. What was like the spark that would just made you like think of like, you know, the coffee that's out there is not good enough. I want to make my own. I'm just so curious yeah. about like that whole concept development for me. Yeah. So I was touching on a little bit. So basically I went backpacking for like six months after oh, cool. the supplements brand. And I was like thinking, and when I was thinking about coffee, how I didn't want to, I saw all these, all my friends were getting like frappuccinos and lattes, but I didn't want dairy or anything heavy, but I wanted something different. Like coffee got really dull and it was just too dark or like burnt after a while. And you just yeah. have that like acidic taste, even though I love black coffee, I like it light, I like it like clean. Um, and so I started fishing around and I started talking to some people that were in the space and they're like, wow, I, I totally get what you're saying. One thing you should check out is I've seen some brewers infuse cold brew with coffee with nitrogen. I was like, what, really? That sounds cool. They're like, yeah, it's just like a Guinness, literally a Guinness, but cold oh, brew. And I was like, yeah. okay. And so this guy, at this coffee place down south basically made a mini keg for me and he was like you should try it so i had like a hundred servings and it was a mini keg overnighted i tried it i was like this is incredible this Whoa. is amazing um yeah and so this was a time i had never seen it anywhere else i ended up doing okay. some research and like someone in texas was starting to work on it and they had to start playing around with kegs too and like sort of like marketing it no one was really like marketing it um, even though it was really easy in a way, it's like, it's literally like you take a liquid and you infuse it with nitrogen, like a keg. It's like, that's all you do. Yeah. Um, you obviously have to like perfect it and do it right, which is what I think Rise has done. Um, but yeah, so I started doing that. I was like, well, how do you make it like consumable? Like, how do you make it like a, like a ready to eat or drink or ready to something, something that like has scale? Cause I thought the keg industry was cool, but I didn't, I didn't think it was going to have that much scale. 
And so yeah. he pointed me in the direction of these like cans and then he ended up getting me some samples and I had to make it. And he was just like helping out in the beginning. I mean, he oh, made 200, wild. I mean, we paid for it sure. uh, or I paid for it. I was by myself at the time and I made 200 nitro cold brew coffee cans that were blank and no one else was really doing it on the market at that time. And I had them in my fridge stocked. Like my roommates at the time were like, the fridge is full. Where are we going to put our groceries? Where are we, we have tons of coffee, no but nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they were like drinking. They're like, this is amazing. And like my best friend came over. And he's like, Hudson, you have to start this company. Like these are amazing. I've never had anything like it. And they made that growling noise that widget cans that they love that, it. Yeah. That noise. I don't know if you know, there's like I, a yeah, noise I do. That they make. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I ended up giving it a couple of people and I, I remember when I was starting um, my previous company, we met with this guy, Andrew Estex, at a company called Droga 5. Droga 5. They're like the best video making, commercial making company. They've won like agency of the year, like 10 years in a row. It's nuts. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was like, dude, I have to tell you about this thing. It's kind of secretive. Um, do you have time to like try it out? I go into the office and it's kind of like Mad Men esque. Like, I feel like I'm like, <laughs> It's a huge office. It's like my biggest meeting ever. You know, I'm like wearing the blazer. Oh yeah. And I go in there and I like, I gave him, give him a sample of the can and he opens and it makes that growl, that noise, which I think rise, we now call it the rise roar or growl. I don't oh, know. Oh, cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, and he just looks at me like amazed, like goosebumps, drinks it, puts it down, walks up to his like window office, closes the curtain. And he's like, Hudson, I'm an, a marketer. I make commercials. I've had Coca-Cola in this office. I've had Pepsi in this office. I've had every single beverage company in this office, CEOs, and I've never seen anything like it. Whoa. He was like, this is something that can really catch on. And it's because of that name, that noise. So, you know, the Coca-Cola noise where you, and you like drink in, it's like, you're like, ah. Yeah. So he was like, that's the new noise. And that gave me sort of the energy, shout out to Andrew. I haven't really spoken That's to him so in a while, cool. but like to get giving me that nudge of val validity okay. um, and sort of speeding up. I started like, I went out uh, outside of a Whole Foods, started selling them for a dollar each to see if people would even convert. Okay. And I would, they're blank cans. So you're just like walking around the street selling them for a buck. No, I had, I set up a table outside of a, a Whole Foods, downtown Manhattan. <laughs> didn't tell like, I didn't ask for permission. I just did it. And I asked what people, how much they would pay for it. And if they liked it, that and it was awesome. really interesting Scrappy. feedback. Nitro was very scary back then. Um, oh. Anyways, just to speed up, I mean, the term nitro was like freaky. Like to have like a mother buy the word nitro on packaging just sounded yeah. like a wrestler, like a wrestler yeah, sure. in, the, in like a can. <laughs> right. So it sounded like scary. And so I think that was something that I had to work through and the team had to work through. But speeding up six months, I had made a lot of progress, was ready to raise, had a brand in place um had a lot of like the fundraising deck just i was had made a lot of progress supply chain formula um and you know ended up meeting these guys that were were working on something similar kind of a funny story how that happened um but basically through a mutual friend who's now on the board uh he um he basically was like what are you up to i told him about these cans he's like oh my friends are working on something related with kegs you should meet them doing the same thing but in kegs and we kind of like combined forces and, you know, we've been friends since and, you know, they're really operating the company now. I mean, I was part of it. I was full time with part of it for, you know, at least like three to four years, maybe four years, five years. Um, and now I've, I've obviously I'm focusing on plant people, um, but like really proud of them because they, they've been, you know, really spearheading and, and growing that company much, much farther than um, I think we as a team could ever have thought of. So really been exciting to see and i you know the company's really taken off um and I've, it's always great to, as a board member to see you know where it is today yeah no that's awesome and then it, the the is was the i know the main was the main focus cans and kegs for like offices that was kind of like the main thing wasn't it yeah great question that, so i was gonna say is it pivoted now yeah so that's a really great question so we the cans were hard to get they're not, they're not made here in the United oh, States okay. yet. Um, and so, you know, you had to order like half a million cans. And for a small startup, you're like, what are we going to do with half a million cans? Actually, someone helped store them for us, who's a friend of mine for free. You have a good my network, Hudson. You got, I know. Well, a yeah, lot of people, connections. I, all, 
it's you're only as good as your community. That's all I have to say. Okay. Especially in the early days, it's all founders always ask for favors, especially if you're bootstrapping, which I'm always bootstrapping. And um, you know, we we what we ended up doing, and and I'll give a shout out to you know the rest of the team, Jarrett and Justin um, and Graham, but I think specifically Jarrett had a friend of a restaurant called. Um, uh, now I'm blanking it. Uh, it was on Atlantic Avenue. Oh, Colony. And in Atlantic Avenue, New York. Um, and we had made these kegs. Kegs were easier, again, to make. And so he goes, we go up to them with a mini keg. Hey, do you want to try this? Um, we know we're thinking about doing cans, but, you know, it's a lot of work, blah, blah, blah. We have to learn how to can them. They're really hard to can. But like, hey, why don't you try this keg? The guy tried it. We didn't hear from him for a day. We were super nervous. All of a sudden, he responds, hey, can we get two kegs for the weekend? And we're like, whoa, whoa. Like, restaurants want this. And then he started ordering, like, went from, like, a quarter, um, like, a six barrel to, you know, a half barrel. It started growing. And one thing that I, back to the community, I was really, like, in the tech community. I had okay. a lot of connections. And so we kind of caught the whole coffee, cold brew, keg thing in the office very early and you know, I was extremely involved in closing the first couple hundred like office accounts, oh, big awesome. ones too. Yeah. Um, and then the team really supplemented as well. And we were kind of doing it everywhere. And so we were primarily a keg business for the first like year and a half, two years, um, leveraging our community. Um, and obviously as we, as that grew, we were, I think at least in 2000 offices throughout the United States at the, wow. the, the highest. And the best part about that business it's it's dropping off caffeine in a beehive. I was gonna it's say, like, right? <laughs> you leave it there, people drink it, and they just reorder. And especially the big tech companies. I mean, we were in the Facebook office, and I think we were like in Microsoft. I mean, we were like in these major huge offices pumping, and it's like people. subscription, yeah. high price point, and it just gets like volume moving, you know? Yeah. And it was a really great opportunity to be frank, to get people like addicted to the product oh, in bet. their office because it's free. And then they go home or they like go to the supermarket and they want the cans eventually. And that was sort of like our early in, um, backdoor marketing. Makes so much sense. We, we, we didn't have Rise. We had a different brand in the office at our X bar. And I mean, the moment it came in, it was like an announcement. And then to your I point, know. it was like, I mean, the keg was gone in a day or two, it seemed like. It always seemed like we were like, empty for five days out of the seven you know what i mean it was like there was just yeah. never enough i know well the funny thing about so we had one of my co-founders from rise justin he's a good looking dude for sure and so like <laughs> the women who would always like be in the office like, he was like known as the guy who'd come in like big like guy and he would come in with like a keg and he'd walk in and like it was just always like a thing whenever That's the funny. coffee guy came it was like the milkman was like the new age milkman <laughs> you know yeah oh that's funny so then what did you, like, has that, has that changed at all? I'm sure, I'm sure with COVID that's been kind of a tough environment yeah, so, then. Yeah. So luckily I think there's like two types of brands right now with COVID. There's the ones that were already on shelves doing great. The ones that like in terms of cans, the ones that were not on shelves, new brands didn't so, do so great because like essential critical stores didn't pick up the new brands. They didn't want to touch them. Didn't want to deal with them during the COVID height and craziness. Um, Rise was lucky to be on the former, which was on shelves. So cans have really skyrocketed everything from just starting with stockpiling to where, where it is now. I mean, the momentum is very high for cans. The keg business definitely took a hit. I mean, there's no more offices. Right. So that business, and you know, we were like in stadiums. I think we were like wow. also in locker rooms of, of professional, like, so they really had like, like cold brew coffee at at like it's professional sporting events yeah i think oh, we were cool. doing that. that we were sports teams um we were doing i, I don't know if you know rise well but we're very well known for field marketing and yeah. we obviously have cans but we would also have kegs and we would always do festivals concerts unfortunately all that has gone dark but at the same time like it's actually helped us supply chain wise change the business and exclusivities nationally and stuff so it's actually i think long term it's going to be better for the business um, in terms of like exclusivities that we had, but also, uh, you know, I think it, we've been able to actually double down on the e-com side of the business and that's doing really well. I think we're like top 10 on Amazon. for. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, it sounds like that was quite the endeavor and it sounds like the yeah. connections was a key part of a lot of that and just kind of going with the, the idea and taking it to market. It sounds like that was, you know, didn't sound like there was much more, you know, 
you could do besides getting on the street and getting feedback right away early on. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that I tell entrepreneurs, um, not to say I'm like, I know what I'm talking about, um, is, you know, I think like you learn more in the, you know, 60 days in market than you do six months preparing for the brand. Like you just got to get it out, get people's perspective, talk about the pricing, talk about what, what, like just learn what's intriguing about the product. And so I always say, just get to market. And I think that was, you know, when I was planning rise in the early days, it, I, everything really sped up when I went to like the street and started just selling them for a dollar each, even though I was oh, like at a loss. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You, you, people can get stuck in the, in the uh, paralysis by analysis, not just getting it done. Right. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. So then if we bounce to plant people, which is your current endeavor um, and your main focus, what was when, I guess, probably be helpful to give the audience i know the backstory but it'd be helpful to give the audience at least some sort of a, a understanding of like how that idea came to fruition and meeting your co-founder gabe um and just kind of the background of plant people for sure would love to so gabe um and i were actually friends uh prior and we were introduced to be potentially roommates uh we never worked out ended up meeting at a party in person separately um and we were on a hike around five years ago talking about, we both had spinal surgery, learn how to walk again, how oh, we didn't want yeah. to take pharmaceuticals, which are addictive, expensive, straight up chemicals, make it feel weird. Uh, and how we wanted to use like plant-based products or natural products uh, on our way to recovery. So we started exploring adaptogens, nootropics, cannabis. So, you know, CBD, uh, which at the time there was only one store in New York city selling it. This was like five years ago. And, you know, we were kind of doing our own other business stuff aside from this. And so we started like getting samples from afar. We started using it. We were having an amazing, um, like, I guess, like impact from it. Started giving to friends and family. My mom was using it. Everyone was loving it. People were sleeping better than ever. No back pain, no neck pain. It was pretty incredible. And everyone would say, hey, you know, if you go back to that farm, we'll buy some from you. So Gabe and I looked at each other and we're like, wow, if we create a livelihood around helping people, let's go ahead and do that. And so that's what we did. And we launched about two and a half years ago, uh, maybe three years ago now. Um, and it's been an amazing ride. I mean, you know, even though we don't do just CBD anymore, we, we've always planned on, you know, we're plant people. We've always planned on celebrating all plants and doing that. We really built a strong foundation in CBD. But the cool thing is we always refer to the CBD trend as a wave. So we were like on, we always like vision it, envision it. Like we were on surfboards on our stomach, sort of like, you know, looking out for like the best wave. We saw this like CBD wave in the distance. We swam out. We really feel like we kind of like got out there first, especially in New York City. Like West Coast had a lot of stuff going on with it. It was like really changing. Um, and we swam out to wave and we've been riding it since. And so um, we've definitely made a name for ourselves uh, in the early stages, especially in the New York City market. We were, we built a really strong community, very similar to Rise where we were very involved in like field marketing and okay, um, yeah. and like in stores and at restaurants and but then you know it's obviously more of a clinical brand now um, but you know it's been an, an amazing ride and it's really grown a lot so yeah no it's exciting I, I'd be curious too so back to when you were looking for like a plant-based medicine when you're going through like the spinal surgery and recovery did you feel, do you like, how did you find CBD brands back then? How are you trying to like use CBD and like, did it actually, you actually felt like it, you know, it worked, it helped like that kind of background into the kind of the concept? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I had been using THC just to go to sleep and, you know, I would like take a hit of something and yeah. I would be like either too high or like, it was just, you'd wake up next morning, like exhausted and like, you know, groggy. And that wasn't my goal. My goal was to like, relieve pain and so when I started taking CBD I was like this is it like I'm not high and like I can take this whenever I want and it actually helps me while I work it makes me less stress it was you know for me it's always really worked um and now like the our business has evolved where we use other cannabinoids like CBN and CBC and CBG and like I use them sort of as like what I want for the day or like yeah, CBN yeah. for sleep um but like without a doubt like this and I'm I don't want to make like a huge medical claim, but like this shit fucking works. Yeah. She's yeah, my yeah. French. No, um, no, no. And it's just like, fair. by looking even customer reviews and uh, you know, I was really surprised and excited about this like plant that we 
not that we found it. Everyone's been hemp's been being used for a long time, but it was really exciting to explain uh, to a lot of people uh, for a very long time, um, you know, what it was and what it can do. And people would try and never hear about it. And then the next day report back that it worked, you know? Right. Yeah. I feel like the CBD industry has been like, I think with between like regulations and like so much uncertainty, I always felt like it's kind of been this creeping thing in the background. And then now we're seeing brands really hop in and take advantage in different ways. Sure. Uh, it's really interesting. I know for me, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I've, I've used them. For, I've, I honestly have only used a couple brands. So mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I've always felt like it worked, but yeah, to your point, I, I've, uh, I've kind of had the same experience where I've, I've always enjoyed the use of CBD. Um, There's definitely a lot of brands out there and we see it all the time. We look at like a lot of lab reports from competitors and we also um, like inquire on like how it's made and stuff like that. And there's a lot of crappy, sketchy stuff out there. I would say like the majority of the products out there aren't really living up to the testing uh, that they report on, Um, which has been really interesting, especially for CBN products. Like we have the most CBN CBN dancer um, uh, concentrated products, I think on the market. Um, oh wow! Most people are, are yeah. like championing that it's higher than most people. So how has that been? Just like battling? I mean, that's that's kind of like originally. I remember when we first connected. Um, I've always been drawn to you guys as like a brand I can trust in the CBD space. I guess for better yeah. words. And so how has it been? You know, building a brand, building a business in this space when it does seem like there's just so many people and brands that are kind of cutting corners and and not being as you know honest as they probably should be yeah i mean totally i think the big thing for us is like the brand's always been bigger than the product and you know as we've rolled into more herbal skews that don't have cbd or hemp and like you know we just rolled out with immune power which yeah. is really focused on immunity um and has mushrooms in it and vitamin c and then we have all these other sort of herbal skews rolling out that are non-cbd um like that's what we're about we're about like taking plants that have worked for a long time, introducing modern technology, um, and turning them into products that are practitioner grade. So, you know, instead of having to go to an herbalist or a doctor to like, go get like some sort of prescription, which obviously that's more pharmaceutical or like get recommendations on products to use, you know, our whole thing is bring practitioner grade to the people, um, and, or like make advanced wellness accessible. And so that's like what we're after and that's what our brand has stood for. And, you know, we plant a tree for every product sold. It's expensive to do. And we, you know, we use sustainable materials and we have like a certain vibe and aesthetic that I think that not only you would be interested in and feel like it's trusted, but also someone in their like forties and fifties, like we wanted right. to be sort of a new age, yeah. like Solgar or garden of life. Um, and I think the interesting thing about the CBD industry is there's so many vibey brands. I mean, it's incredible. There's like so many multicolored, like bright pastel color, Pantone color brands. And I think in the end of the day, like they're all like sort of eating at the same thing and they may like be doing well really quickly. And they're like selling gummies that are high in sugar and like they're catching the trend. And, but there's, there's no sort of like long-term play. And like, that's what we're about. Like we want to be that next like huge garden of life. That's majority sort of, you know, volume in like whole foods and the supplement aisle you know we really want to expand bigger and build a brand that can be something much more and the other part is like you know for the first time in my life plant people is my tool to make an impact on this planet you know like we've planted over 150,000 trees at this point and that's thousands of cars off the road in a given year and I on average in the United States and so like I'm extremely passionate about climate impact and change and i think like you know this is just something much bigger than us and we hope to be doing that much longer term and i think i hopefully that gives you some sort of context on how we like think about the brand definitely um and as we roll down to non-cbd stuff like you can tell a lot of people really trust the brand it's not a vibey brand and so we may not have like the coolest influencers posting but we're definitely getting like a lot of practitioners buying from us we're we have our, you know, we have everything together where a lot of retailers trust us and we do a lot of education training. And like, that's what we're about is that long-term play. Got it. No, that totally makes sense. It's great context. I think, you know, when we first, when I first came across plant people and, and I, you know, I had chatted with you earlier on, um, you know, I guess the first thing I saw was like, oh, it's a CBD brand. And then as I've gotten to like follow the brand and learn more about it, it's very obvious that 
yeah, you guys are like really on the, the whole plant movement, like the movement towards using all yeah. sorts of plants, obviously, as you said. Um, I think that's really powerful because I think, I don't think there's, I can't think of any other brands that are doing it that way. I think it's really smart. And it seems like he was really tapping into, you know, just that movement in general of people wanting to use plants more in their everyday lives. So makes a ton of sense to me well um, i'm glad it's, it's great to hear that it's resonating i would yeah. also say that you know my co-founder gabe he's you know he oversees marketing and also just communication in general and he does all the education stuff he produces all the products not himself but he he's heavily involved in the product development process like heavily with like doctors and scientists etc but oh, wow. yeah. he like crafts a lot and he's the vision for that and so to hear that from you means that his job is successful because he's that's all what all everything that he's he works on is tied to everything you just said yeah so he's 100 awesome yeah he's that. done a great job i mean i see it all the time and i mean definitely follow the brand uh thoroughly now so right. definitely resonates with me I, I totally understanding it i think the coming out with the immunity power uh that you just talked about with mushrooms that was to me we had chatted about this but that was like a light bulb to me of like uh, like to me in this covid environment like what a great next step for the product Line for sure. and for the brand, uh, I think people are just. I mean, I would hope that's that's a that's a product that I would think anybody, no matter your age, demographic, where you live, that's something that everyone's thinking more and more about is just immunity right now. So for sure, and I I think like you know we're it feels sort of advantageous of the situation. We were always planning on on doing immunity. Sure, I think yeah, the biggest yeah. thing is is we asked our community and we did the data like what do you want and everyone wants immunity. So. Yeah you know, we had some great formula formulas that we were already working on. We're like, okay, let's fast track this. Um, and the product that we launched today um, is LungGuard, which is great for respiratory support. And it's amazing for people that live in cities or anywhere near pollution, or if you're just like nervous about air pollution or pollutants in the air. Oh, wow. Um, but I also really good for, yet. yeah. And it's, it's great for like athletes too, for like stamina because it's it. all respiratory so oh that's exciting well another yeah. great avenue for you guys to go down that's fantastic totally. is the one question i have when i was as we were just talking through this last piece was um the planting a tree every time you sell a product i thought that was like a really cool additive to being involved with the brand how do you how do you guys go about actually doing that and getting trees planted i was very curious to to know a little more about that yeah, for sure. For sure. So we, um, we partnered with American Forest, which is an amazing organization. We're also partnering with Trees for the Future, which they plant mostly trees for the latter of Trees for the Future prime, uh, mostly, I believe, in Africa. And then uh, American Forest is American based. So the, you know, is doing a lot of reforestation and a lot of other initiatives um, and um, aiming for tree equity um, in urban areas. So if you look at more poor neighborhoods, um, they don't have as many trees and that creates like hotter neighborhoods and there's a lot of other impacts in general for not having trees um, in, in those areas. But, you know, Gabe and I actually physically, so just like top line in terms of donation, we do all of our impacts mostly donation based. Okay. Um, and so we, we plant, you know, a tree for every product sold. And so we donate to American or forests to do the job right and to do it like most effectively. Um, we actually flew to Texas in the Lower Rio um, Valley uh, and planted ourselves. So that oh, was wow. a really amazing um, experience where we partnered with American Forest and a few other brands and companies that they work with. Um, and we went ahead and like planted a couple hundred trees. Uh, and it was a, sort of like a large field okay. uh, with a lot of students that were planting as well. Um, and it was cool because you could see other sections of this massive field, um, where they were reforesting, uh, and you saw like, pat, like huge, like parts of the field that were like from six years ago and then like 15 years ago, oh, I believe, cool. or 12 years ago. And you could see what you're doing now, but six years later and right. then like 12 years later. And I gotta say, I mean, when you went to like the 12 year later area or the 20 year later area, it was like birds were flying around. I mean, ecosystems were being created, That's you know, so cool. it was like out of like a fairy tale. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's definitely an empowering part of the, the role. And I'm really excited that Gabe and I had the opportunity to actually go there and do it ourselves. Cause I think, I think the one thing that we don't want to come off as, uh, is like, just, Hey, we like throw money and it solves the problem. And like, we really want to be on the ground and, you know, do things locally. And we partner with another organization called the Horde 
um, that does a lot of sort of like beautification and re sort of like planting and maintenance of, of, of parks in New York City amongst a oh, bunch cool. of other things that they do. Yeah, no, that's kind of wild. It's kind of cool to think that your products like come from plants and then, you know, end of the life cycle of, of, of uh, you know, transactions is going back into the, into the ground to kind of be regenerated. It's pretty, I think that's a pretty cool concept just in general. For sure. Are you, um, are you guys like, obviously you guys started really like kind of created your base in CBD. You're obviously you've branched into other plants. What is that? What is the plan? Or maybe you don't share, you know, too much detail, but what is the kind of like the one, three, five year concept of, of plant people for everybody and like where you guys want to go and how you want to evolve into more plants? For sure. So I think like right now where we're at is with the CBD foundation we built or the CBD related member, we do CBN and CBG and our skincare CBC, which is great for redness. I can go on and on, oh, yeah, you know, you know all, all of them have like other botanicals in them or other terpenes or, you know, we don't just sell CBD oil just to be like super right. clear on that yeah. part of the business. So we were always, that was our vertical. Now with the herbal skews and mushroom and immunity and, and we have a brain focus skew rolling out. Um, which is, nice. I probably shouldn't have said, my yeah. marketing person is probably going to be pissed because um, <laughs> it's happening in the next few weeks. Um, and, you know, that's like sort of our second leg to the stool. And so okay. we have this like two-legged stool and we're like, what do we do? And so the third legged stool, we ha- we're going after another vertical in the supplement space, which we're really excited about. And then, uh, um, you know, I think we want to have a table at some point. We want to have a four-legged table. And I think once we build that foundation, we're going to be set. We don't want to have too many products. We don't want to, we want to make sure we're doing all practi- practitioner grade stuff for the people that are like clinical strength. Um, and is, you know, we have like four sort of like avenues of like our verticals that we go after. Um, I think long-term, I think there's like some creative creation, not creativity. Um, what's the word? Like, there's a little bit of a focus that I think long-term we would really like to do something around like personalization. Um, okay, I think that's yeah. like just too far out from now, but you know what we, I think the world that we live in right now is, you know, no one wants to really buy just turmeric. They want to buy, or like ashwagandha, they want to buy something that's made for them because they have these problems and we want to be able to provide solutions to each and every one of um you know, for every problem that the, each customer has and yeah. sort of like build a relationship with them. So you can kind um, of like point out all the issues you have and it would kind of connect you with the right products sure, or idea. Yeah. And so I think like the thing is, is like, for me, I take almost every of our products and not like a freak or like that guy that takes all of your company's products, but I use our sleep for sleep. It's incredible. It's, it's an amazing product. I haven't tried it yet. I, I was going to ask you, is it like, does it actually like knock you out and like, let make you sleep? So that's the thing. It doesn't knock you out. It calms okay. you down. It makes you, that's like the CBD side of it. I always like talk about. And yeah. then the CBN really creates deep sleep. That's Ooh. the best part. Okay. So like I'm it calms, it like chills you out and you yeah. slowly fall asleep and then it keeps you asleep. And that's what most customers say is the deep sleep. Got it. Um, okay. And then, um, you know, like I take the BCOM before like big meetings or fundraising pitches or whatever. Um, and that's an amazing product. I know people that take it every day. Um, and then, you know, I was like, I was on vacation as you know, and I was using our nurse lotion for like, you know, sunburn and, and just like when you're tan, you got to keep it. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah. Um, and then face serum is amazing. And then like, you know, I do the face mask that we have like every few weeks. Um, and so like, that's what I mean is like, we want to be there with you along the way of life all the time. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And so that, that's kind of how we're thinking. And, um, you know, hopefully it continues ahead in that, in that direction. And we're really excited to, um, as much as we're going to keep on doubling down in CBD, we're really excited to like get out of it because, you know, the saturation in that market is just like ridiculous. Um, oh, yeah. and, but there's a lot of consolidation right now. And so like, we're going to keep on trying to inch up and lead in that category, um, as the sort of like consolidation happens, which is, has been actually really fruitful for us immediately. No, I bet. Yeah, I bet. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, I think it's cool to see just like all these other aspects of how you can use plants. I think, you know, especially if you're just getting into CBD or you're someone who uses CBD, to know that there's like all these other things that you can use plants for. 
I think it's sure. pretty it's pretty cool. Where um what does just distribution at a high level look for look out like look for you guys right now? Um, you know, channels. Are you guys I know you guys are in e-commerce, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but where where can people like find you guys today and, and where are you guys trying to go? I know even with COVID, things have changed a lot, but I've been seeing some some big announcements recently from you guys with new distribution, which is really exciting. Yeah, for sure. So um <clears throat> I'm not going to release too many of them, but we're yeah. we're in a lot of boutique and indie spots, and that's that's where our foundation was. Very similar to Rise, we were like in these sort of smaller places, um, and so we're like in a couple. We're in over like 1,200 like indie boutique like wellness spots, uh, pharmacies, whatever. Um, but you know we are in Wegmans, we are in Erewhon, we are in Moms, Luckies. Um, we're going to be in HB and Central Market. Um, we're going to be in Healthy Edge. Um, we're on Thrive Market, Nordstrom, Duty Free Stores, um, and there's obviously a bunch more. And, you know, we're, we're really going after the natural specialty space. And I okay. think, like, the hope down the line is we go more conventional. Um, I don't think our brand and our price point is the right – we're not in the right place to go into conventional. I think, sure. you know, we do have Target, which is, you know, hush-hush coming down the pipe. Um but, uh, you know, I think that's going to be really exciting to see how that works. And then I think, you know, as we grow in a business, um, I think conventional is where we, we, where we want to head. Gotcha. No, that's exciting. And then I know, obviously, we've talked a little bit about just with Amazon, like the CBD mm-hmm. products, they don't let you sell online yet. But are you guys, yeah. I'm sure you're going with all your other plant products on yeah. Amazon would be the hope. Yeah. So I think Amazon is definitely interesting. It's a beast. Um, and I, I think like it's really a beast as you start going into like the rankings right now. Like, I think if we were to start now, it would take a few months to like get the hang of it. Um, you know, I think we're really interested in B2B marketplaces. We're interested like Amazon, other ones, just say like an REI.com or something. We're interested in more of those. Amazon's really interesting, especially for immunity. Um, because, it feels like, especially in this world, like people are just can't, they can't get enough immunity products and Amazon's like the place to go to get it all. Um, and so we're definitely exploring those channels. Um, you know, you just have to be careful because you don't really own the customer on Amazon. And right. so like if you someone searches you on Google, which we have great SEO, you know, they're going to just go to Amazon because it's prime and like they're already ordering a lot that way and so yeah. the question is is like do we want to be a wholesale business or do we want to be an online business or do you want to be both and how does amazon sort of impact the online business and also the wholesale business because you know a lot of people are used to going to stores to get our products now um, right. in store and so if they can order on amazon that obviously makes an impact um so yeah we're definitely exploring that our online business is doing really well and you know we're going to keep on doubling down on that side Got it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, it's like you said, it's a beast. It's very com. It can be like complex. And to your point, you, you really do lose the, you know, the customer interaction that you get on your own D to C site, right? You kind of lose the message a little bit and Amazon's a beast just as far as like the business relationship with them it can be a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of orders, a lot of revenue, but also a lot of headaches. So, you know, for it sure has it's double-sided thing. Um, I think the, the last thing I thought of for plant people that I'd love to just get your perspective on is, you know, obviously my listeners know I, I work for our X bar full time. Um, so I'm like in that space, we are definitely starting to think about, and we've been thinking about for a while, but just plant-based products and like where that trend is going for you guys. I mean, I think you guys are, must be under the belief that it's, you know, definitely less of a, of a, a fad, but really like a, a, a trend that's going to grow and grow over time. Is that kind of for you guys where you think like, some of the buying behaviors are going to move to is, is people are going to move more and more into plant-based products just in general. I mean, a hundred percent. That's what's been happening in the last like two decades, especially right. the last decade. I mean, it's plant-based is going to continue to be moving. I mean, look at like beyond me, all the plant-based foods. It's incredible to watch. I'm a vegetarian, so I love this stuff. Um, and I think that plant-based will continue to be moving. I also think that people are more likely to start switching over to not more likely you can see the trend is moving from pharmaceutical to herbal supplements. People are trusting the earth again. And, you know, like we're like, we're converging our business. We're a couple trends. We have plant-based, we have herbal supplements, which is from instead of pharmaceuticals. And then we have, um, 
The third one is uh, like eco-friendly sustainability. And okay. like, that's not why we do it. It's what we believe in, what we, what we support. But people are starting to choose brands that want to make an impact on the planet. Not so much like politically and socially, but really like environmentally. And right. so that's something that we're really banking on as, as, as growth um, that will will continue to fuel our, our demand. I think the thing that's really excited exciting about that is when we make money, we plant more trees, we make yeah. a larger impact. And I think we want to do stuff with algae. We want to like make more local like contributions and get more involved physically. Like there's more we can do if we have more capital, but like right. if we don't have enough capital, then we can't do as much and make such an impact. And I'm not just saying that to like convince people to buy. Yeah, it's like yeah, just yeah. true. Like, you know, I hope to one day have like a sustainability environment focus, like director on the team. That's like reviewing everything we do soup to nuts um, to make sure that we're really tight and we're being climate neutral, carbon neutral. And like we're B Corp, you know, those are things we're, we're working on now. Um, but you know, you know, it's great to have a business that intertwines both of those. Right. Impacts. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. I love that. Speaking of, I, I had one question you kind of have hit on it a little bit and you mentioned it there. One thing on here that I like to ask founders is just your philosophy. You've done it. You've done it a few different, you've started a few different companies, but what is your thoughts on bootstrapping versus fundraising or when's the right time to think about fundraising? You seem like to have a decent amount of experience with that. So just thought for my audience, I know I've gotten a lot of questions on just like how to know when to do those steps and just curious from your thought, from your experience, you know, what you've learned and what's the best course of action. You know, it's interesting because it's, we all see the winners of the world. They raise money, they do the formula, they raise four to 5 million seed round. They go to the right agency for the right branding. They have the right PR firm. And then by the time they launch, they've burned through like 2.5 million of it or 2 million of it. And, you know, the ones that win, which, you know, are like Casper's, maybe they're not winning now, but like we look at sort of like these brands that are like have done so well, they follow the formula, but like they can't get sold. They're just too big. And the reason why they're too big is because they keep on fundraising to beat the other valuations because they've already raised so much. And so you get kind of caught in this cycle. And the one thing that I, so with Rise and for Plant People, we bootstrapped. Um, and like, I, we're really proud of that. I mean, we really hustled. And we also, the, there's a couple of reasons why it's amazing is because like one is like, you don't answer to anyone. Sure. And like, oh, yeah. if you, I hope you have good intentions if you're starting a company, but like we have really good intentions or we like to think so. And so like, we have no other reason to like perform except that we wanted to make an impact in the beginning. And so, you know, we had humble beginnings. We put our personal savings into plant people. So did I with Rise. So did some of the team members, uh, my co-founders at Rise. Um, and, you know, it proves you own more of the business. And so when you start getting traction, you've way more leverage because investors want to invest at better terms for you, your better terms in investment. If you've shown traction, you've personally put your money in or like gone like a friend to give you a loan or you've hustled and you've closed your first account instead of hiring a ton of people. So right. I always say that like you need to first, you first off, once you get a market, you like you need to learn a lot. Like you're going to learn so much. You may change your business because you're learning. And so if you've already raised and used up a ton of money that you've raised, you've given up the company a very large percentage because it was a dream you were pitching. And then you may have to change the business very quickly or it may not go as well as planned. And so I always say to people is like, try to bootstrap where you can, don't give up too much of the company, you know, become and create a hustle culture because when we tell people on the team, they can, people join the team, people can like feel the hustle. And it's because the way, you know, my Rose Rise co-founders, but even more recently, like new hires have joined plant people. People can feel that Gabe and I have been hustling for a very long time. That's awesome. And it creates this sort of hustle culture versus coming in and like, you've raised a ton of money and like everyone gets new computers. Everyone gets like, you know, it's like we have all these parties and stuff that there's like a sense of scrappiness. And I think it makes people more self-sufficient and their day to day because of that culturally. Um, and then the other thing is, is when you're going to fundraise after you've proven in the first six months or a year or at least or whatever that you've been able to do so much, you go into a fundraising pitch and like investors want a piece of that. You're going to move with or without them. You're not, they're not, a, they're not like a roadblock to use your success. They just want to fuel it. Right. And so like you just have more leverage on terms. You give up less, less, 
uh, less of the companies. It makes conversations fundraising much easier because you're, you're proven. Hopefully it's like good numbers because you've proven yourself. Um, but I, I'd say like my experience has been with Rise and Plant People is that investors, because we bootstrap for so long, that they've been really impressed because what we've been able to do with so little. So that's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, kind of the bootstrap until you need more capital for a good reason uh, type of move sounds like the, the best way to do it. Um, has there been challenges with bootstrapping as far as just like cash flow and, and trying to keep things afloat at, at times? Or have you guys done a pretty good job at both Rise and Plant people to um, kind of keep fueling the ship per se? Yeah, so Rise, um, you know, we had a lot of top line revenue. The margins weren't as great as it is with plant people. I mean, beverage in general is not the best margin. I think like what was nice is, as I mentioned earlier, is kegs was bringing in a lot of, a lot of revenue at the time. Um, but, you know, the thing with Rise is we were building out like a facility. No one could can those cans or do the kegs the, the way we wanted it. Um, and so we had to like get money somehow, you know, to do that. And then right. I would also say that like, even though I was working on Rise for a period of time, it was actually called like a different name at the time. And then I met these my co-founders, you know, six to eight months later. Um, you know, I think like when you have a larger sort of co-founding team, you're like top heavy. And so, you know, you have to pay each other, even though you're not paying that much, you're paying, you know, if you have five co-founders, you're paying five X that little amount of money. Whereas like right. Gabe and I, we've been paid like less than a lot of people on the team or almost everyone on the team for a very long time. And there's only two of us, but if you have four of you, then it's four X. And yeah. so, you know, for me, it's, that was much easier. It made plant people a lot easier to sort of operate in the beginning. Um, and, and then I would also say that like, you know, with, with plant people launching with CBD at the height of the, or prior to the trend height is that the margins were just really good. I mean, it was such a new product. It now it's getting a bit more competitive. Prices are dropping. And so margins, um, you know, were really, really strong in the beginning. I mean, they've actually gone better for us, even though price drops have happened just because oh, right. we have a lot more leverage. Yeah. Um, and costs have gone down because the supply for CBD is, is very low now. I mean, a very high, there's a lot of it. Right. Um, so yeah, hopefully that answers your question. No, 100%. I would say like, a challenge aside from from like sort of headcount is um you know you can't always do what all these cool companies are doing like you can't do subway ads when you know you see some brand doing it but i i would say that like we you have to problem solve on like what you can do and i found that when you hustle and you figure out your ways of doing it with like less money i actually think that like it goes much further in a certain way because you're doing so many of less costly things at right. once that it kind of like makes a larger impact. Yeah, totally makes sense. No, that's awesome. Um, you, you kind of already answered this question earlier on when you, you talked about you just setting up a, a stand um, outside of a Whole Foods. But if you had to give, you know, young entrepreneurs or anyone who's not really wanting to become an entrepreneur that's listening to the podcast, um, what is like the one key in your mind from going to zero to one? So, you know, thinking of a concept and, and actually creating a product and starting to sell it. What is like the key thing that you've learned that's gone from concept to business? And I know it's kind of a loaded question. There's probably tons well, of things, but. I think the one thing I would just say is like, just stop meeting with people. Like obviously get learnings and learn how what other people have done, but like get to market. I think like that's the biggest thing for me. Um, I would also say that putting together fundraising decks, a deck, like even if you don't show anyone helps you solidify what you want to do. I think a lot of oh, entrepreneurs, yeah. um, think that they're, they're solving so many problems because they'll meet with people and be like, I have this idea. And this person's like, Oh my God, I would use that like for my college kid. And then the other person's like, Oh my God, I put it in my gym. And so they like said they're doing everything. Um, I think it's really important to like do one thing and do it really well. I also think that um, what makes your job much easier is a product that sells itself. So if you have a product that's like 80, like 80, I always say like 80% of like the battle of starting a company is having a product that sells itself. And then like 20% of it is like, how do you market and message it? it? And then 10% is like the hustle. So you're like at 110%. Got it. Okay. Um, and so like, you can't do 
without you can't do like have the 110 percent without like the 80 the 20 or the 10 i mean you can get to 100 and be a brand but like if you really want to like take off you really got to fight the good fight love it that's great advice. No, totally. Did, totally I don't even know if that answered your question. hundred percent. No, it did. Okay. It definitely did. It definitely answered okay, your question. Um, I think, <laughs> no, that was actually a really good answer. Um, I think to your point, having a product that sells itself it might be something that's an oversight for a lot of people. And they're just trying to work their ass off and do a thousand different things instead yeah. of getting that 80% down. The, the one thing I would say now, like thinking back to like my old like roommate room when I was starting Rise is you know, you, you're like, how do I like get to this thing? So I'd say like, okay, I need money to do this. And I'd be like, okay, if I need money and it's like, and for the people who can't see on this podcast is like, I'm putting my hand like high up and like, as if you have to attain to something, this like level, how do I get there? And then actually writing the steps to doing that. So, cause every day I think when, especially for first time entrepreneurs, which I was at one point is like, you feel like you're kind of all over the place. You feel like you need to do this, you need to do that. And then you meet someone with coffee. It's like, oh, you need to do this. You need to go to this trade show. There's all these things. But if you zero in on like, how do you make actionable steps on a daily basis to do it? And it's like sort of like a checklist every day that you look at, it makes it way more doable. Because I think as a first time entrepreneur, there's just too many things to do. And everyone's saying this and that. And especially for a solo founder, it's like, you got to just have some sort of way of like, action steps and action items and steps to get to certain level. Love that. <clears throat> Love that. And I'm honestly, I'm a nerd for that kind of like optimization stuff. So that kind of goes yeah. into one of my last questions I had for you, Hudson was what, what do you use? Whether it's, is it paper and pen? Do you have some apps? Is it Excel? What do you use to kind of like build out your goals, whether it's, you know, personal plant people goals. And then how, how do you get that down to like daily tasks to your point and like actually taking meaningful, meaningful steps? Like, what do you use to do all that? Yeah. So I've tried it all. I've done like all the apps and stuff like that. The one thing that I always come back to you and I've just, I've agreed, this is what works. I'm going to keep <laughs> on like doing me. it. This is what I, I, I have like a daily battle with myself on like what I'm using. Yeah. I, but I'm now really comfortable with it. And my whole thing, what I do now is, and I have learned this is actually really good, is just take, don't overthink it. Like what I found is like, if you do Google Doc or you do like Evernote, you kind of like tuck away these notes and tasks. Yeah. Unless you're really good at like every day going in there and like looking. But I found that like, you know, the reason why when we're young, we write with a pen and paper and you learn how to like write things down and you have to like repeat stories and stuff like that is because you as your brain as a human, you like remember things better. Right. And, and so what I do is every single time. So I have a couple of sheets in my notebook. One is a page for, for like marketing, a page for sales, a page for digital product, a page for ops, a page for, for every department on the team. Okay. And I, how I set up the teams is I do a weekly check-in on it's sort of like a sprint model so every week it's like a check-in on like last week and what we've done and then what we're doing this week and so what I do is I have just a laundry list of bulleted things to remind myself in those meetings and bring up or check in on and so that's what I do so every day whenever there's something happening I don't like interrupt someone's slack I mean the team if they're listening probably disagrees but I would probably (laughs) say that I write something down to save in for that check-in and so it basically what ends up happening is I build these sort of like checklist that I will eventually cross off and at the end and the beginning of every week I kind of go through each department and if something hasn't happened or you know you know that's sort of for a managing style but also for myself so I have a, a page that's sort of like my checklist of things that I have to do and be on top of myself so every day and Gabe my co-founder will definitely substantiate this I basically start following like when I have my cup of coffee I like go through my list and I start following up on things whether it's slack or email or checking in on things or start working on things myself okay and so I always start at the beginning of every week I mean sorry every day my own list and see if I've done it and if Got not it. like I check in and I am like the king of following up and for the team I do like a, a Monday Friday sort of or weekly check-in sort of their list um, and I think like the big thing for me is I don't like when things fall through the cracks. I really don't. It stresses me out yep. and it, it frustrates me. And so, you know, it's whether it's for managing people or it's, it's really for me, um, it really helps to just have a notebook and a running list because 
if you overdo it and you spend too much time building lists and all these like crazy note cards and stuff like that, it's too much. Um, so hopefully Love it. that's that no, helps. yeah. I, um, it's funny. I've, I've kind of the same thing. I, I use this thing called bullet journaling. I'm sure you've probably heard of that. If yeah. Yeah, for game. sure. So it's similar. Um, but yeah, I do agree. There's something about writing it down helps you remember. And it's like a physical thing. It's not going to hundred percent get erased. You can't like your wifi can't go out and you can't see it. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's physical. It's there. It's got to move. On. I like that idea though, of kind of having a, a page for every, like almost like team, you, know, yeah. you call it department or team, but it could be like just categories or whatever you're working on. Yeah. I mean, um, I know that, I know that like the, 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 oh, I know wow, that the, that. the podcast can't see, but that's like right YouTube there. That's like, the, yeah, that's, that's the for marketing. one week for marketing. Yeah. yeah. That's one week of marketing. No, 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 no. That's been like a running tally. And so what I do next level is when I run out of space, I do post-its of the list that I basically go through and at the end of the week, I rip it off Okay. and I like, I go through it and consolidate the post-its or I add to the master list. Got so I have like it. a master list per page and the post-its are sort of like, I'm in a meeting and I like need to write it down. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, wow. You have, quite, so you have quite, no, you have quite the, uh, the strategy here. I love it. That's yeah. Great. It's a little freaky. <laughs> the last, like, uh, the last real question for you, I like to ask everyone this, um, you know, you're an intelligent guy. You've done a lot of cool stuff. What is, do you have like a book, a podcast, a source of knowledge that you recommend to people to, you know, read, listen to? I mean, I do the basics sort of, you know, how I built this guy, Roz. Um, that's always really inspiring because to be honest, like as a founder, and I, I'm sure people who aren't founders like think this is a ridiculous thing, but you really as a founder feel like you're going crazy all the time. And, you know, you're in it sort of for the long term and, you know, you see all these other competitors in the market or just other brands doing all these things and you just feel like you have so much to do. It's just nice to hear personal stories where people like, have been through ups and downs and it reminds you why you're doing this and that other people have done it before you. And so that's been really nice. Um, and then I do like taste radio is obviously is a, is a great one similar to how I built this um, a little bit more focused, I guess on like, like consumer goods. Right. Um, and then, you know, I've been listening to like consumer VC stuff. Um, I listened to Esther Perel, which okay. is like relationship stuff. Um, and that always helps with like how to deal with like working relationships, obviously personal relationships. Um, and then, you know, one thing that I, I do um, is I don't actually read that many books. I used to read a lot of business books. Um, one, there's two books that I can recommend, Contagious and Purple Cow. Like I always thought those were really great books. Awesome. Um, but I think where I get a lot of learnings is reading. And I used to do like the TechCrunch and stuff. That's where it kind of evolved. But I still kind of go back to like the like New York Times and Economist and sort of like these sort of like worldly publications, because when I read those, I get these sort of like out of the box ideas. Huh. Um, and it's usually when I'm reading like, you know, the business focused stuff, I'm getting these just ideas of like what very large corporations are doing. Um, and I find that really helpful because it, it steps out of this sort of like startup world right. um, and helps you like think out of the box, but like in a more structured world. Got it. No, I love that. It's kind of like backwards from what a lot of our generation probably thinks, which I actually like, think that's a really cool idea. Like, yeah, you know, a lot of us try to stay, I feel like a lot of people like kind of frown on some of the major big corporate type structures, but that's exactly probably why there's a lot of benefit in it. For sure. Um, awesome. Um, really the last things then are, you know, how can people try plant people? What's the best place to go try it? Um, so I guess I will create a promo code for you. Oh, cool. There we point. go. Sweet. Yeah, there um, go. I will, it will be Shane white, you know, I'll give Love you it. like 15, 20% off. And okay. so, um, I guess I'll just say now it's Shane white 20, just okay. so I can make the Love call. It. This um, is the first time so this has happened on the podcast. Okay, great. <laughs> so our website's the best place to do it. Obviously like it's amazing. We have incredible marketing emails and like content that we send to people as well. So it's not like you're just buying a product and it's done. Um, and so um, every order counts, you plant the tree for every product sold. Um, and then some of the retailers that I mentioned, you can always go to there, but um, I would probably say uh, online is the easiest. And if you're living in sort of like the Northeast area, it delivers within like a day. Oh, cool. um, so, um, you know, any, any order helps. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. 
And then if people want to follow you and, and get a hold of you, what's the best way for that? Do you have socials you like to share or anything? Yeah, for sure. So my, um, uh, my Instagram is my full name, Hudson Gaines Ross. And then my LinkedIn is Hudson Gaines Ross. Love it. Um, so I'll add those links uh, in here too. Yeah. Great. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Hudson, thank you so much for the time. I feel like this was, this was awesome. It was great to learn more about you and all of the businesses you started. And, um, Thanks. we wish, you know, plant people the best and the success through, uh, you know, an exciting rest of 2020, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And, you know, thank you for the opportunity. This was awesome. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Hudson. Have a good one. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Hudson Gaines Ross. As always, you can check out the links in the show notes for everything we talked about during the show, including 20% off your next order using Shane White 20 at checkout. Uh, I will also include Hudson's handles and links to LinkedIn. He's a great guy to get a hold of uh, if you're interested in anything plants, uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, Hudson's a great great resource and a very intelligent human being. And I loved having him on. So thank you, Hudson, for coming on the podcast today. And as always, two links that I share at the end of every single episode. First, if you're interested in getting investing yourself, um, the link to Robinhood is the platform that I use. Zero transaction fees, zero commission fees, uh, zero fees whatsoever. You can get started with a buck if you want to start investing, as I always say, you just got to hop in and start trying. So hit the link and you actually get a free stock when you sign up using the link. And I do as well as a disclaimer. And the last link, the COVID stock market rebound tracker. To simplify this, this is just a Google sheet that I share for free with all of you. And this is just a running list of companies that I'm interest, interested in, that I'm investing in. And that I'm keeping on my radar uh, as the world is constantly changing with COVID. So if you would like to see what I'm looking at and potentially give you a little boost in your investing journey, feel free to click on that link and I will approve you once I get the notification and you will be good to go for free. So thanks again, everyone, for listening to another episode and I hope you guys enjoy. We'll be back with another awesome guest here in a couple of days. Uh, Mike Hazel is my next guest that I'm very excited to have on the podcast. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great day.